0: No. Damn it. <laughs> Definitely cutting that out.
1: Ugh. All right. Well, you want to start then? Yeah. Since you're going to cut that part out?
0: <laughs> Are you offended?
1: I mean, I want to hear what it sounds like before you well, cut okay,
0: it out. Okay, fine. You can hear what it sounds like. <laughs> That's fine. All right.
1: So, hello, everyone. Welcome to Drunk Duck Cinema Club. We're here at The Pond doing our bi-weekly podcast.
0: I'm your host,
1: Allie Darling.
0: (laughs) I'm your other host, Michael Puglisi.
1: This week's movie is Come to Daddy. Come to Daddy. Just as uncomfortable as it sounds.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So true. Mm. Uh, The entire first third of this movie is just like...
1: Pure tension. Pure tension.
0: Just cringing the entire time. I mean, actually, you, you cringe right away from the moment you see Elijah Wood's character. That's just the beginning of the cringe.
1: Well, I think the beginning of the cringe is having the William Shakespeare quote immediately followed up by the Beyoncé quote in the opening credits.
0: Oh my god. Yeah. Very similar to Mandy as soon as you see the quotes, you know, you get an idea of what you're in for.
1: Yeah. It doesn't take itself too seriously.
0: No, not at all. So
1: what about so your first impression?
0: I liked it. Yeah. Like it was another just like quirky fun mishmash of genres, you know, it's like a bit of a thriller, a bit of a horror movie, but then it's got like a lot of black comedy in it, but also some heart too.
1: Yeah. It definitely like, it seems very hopeful. It's got a bit of a hopeful vibe, yeah. but I found it's like, it's no, it's in no way lighthearted, but it's like cheeky still. So it yeah. like kind of makes a joke of all of the like very heavy subject matter that it has. And that makes it just kind of like likable in a way, but it's also uncomfortable in pretty much every way.
0: Yeah. There isn't really like a blending of like the uncomfortable, heavy subject matter in the comedy. They're kind of just like two separate things that are put together in the movie. And they're made to
1: be juxtaposed against each other to like accentuate each other. Yeah. Which, I mean, if you're not laughing, then I don't think it would be very enjoyable. (laughs)
0: No, it's funny because it's like a movie and you're not the one in the situation. It's not happening to you.
1: Yes. That's a great, that's great.
0: Yeah. And I just generally too, I was really stoked to go see this movie because I feel like we've been waiting a long time to see it.
1: Yeah. I feel like I saw the plot kind of floating around the internet like over a year ago. And like then when it came out, I was like, wow, I can actually go see this in the theater.
0: Yeah, just like all of a sudden one day, like we hadn't heard anything about this movie forever, just that it had been picked up at a film festival for distribution and then it disappeared and then all of a sudden it was playing at like our local art house independent cinema for like two days.
1: Yeah, for like two days, yeah. It's
0: like, well, I guess we're going to go see it on one of those two days.
1: Exactly. Um, So I think that uh, what sort of struck me when I was reflecting on this movie... Um, And kind of reflecting on the intent of the movie and if it did a good job of achieving its intent. I personally think that this movie must have been born out of a spitball session where people, the writers, are trying to figure out the worst possible outcome that could come from going to meet your estranged father in the remote (laughs) woods. And this is that, this is the movie. Like, that's what it kind of feels like because it really builds on itself.
0: Yeah, it takes like that very simple concept and it, boy, does it ever go places. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I guess let's uh, get into it a little bit more in, in more detail. So Come to Daddy is a 2019 thriller movie with
1: comedy horror, horror
0: Horroromedy. horror I think it, it kind of fits into the horror comedy genre. It stars Elijah Wood as a man who receives a letter from his estranged father asking him to come meet him in his remote cabin in the Oregon wilderness.
1: Yeah. And to be fair, they really play up the wilderness aspect of it. The so opening scene of this movie is Elijah Wood getting off of the bus, walking into the woods where there is no road then the scenery changes two or three times throughout his journey before he gets to the house on the edge of the ocean.
0: Yes, and he's he's following a hand-drawn map the entire time.
1: Yeah, a crudely drawn, like, old-school map.
0: So, once again, this is a directorial debut. It is the debut of New Zealand indie film producer Ant Timpson, who has produced a bunch of... Weird movies like Deathgasm and Spectre Vision's The Greasy Strangler. Mm. So, interestingly enough, this movie was inspired by Timpson's own experiences with the death of his father.
1: I read that. That was super crazy.
0: Yeah, so his father just, in his own words, just dropped dead one day and he had to spend a few days... In uh, his house house with his father's body, so
1: he explains that, and he says that the reason he had to spend time with his father's body, I believe was due to um what was it that they I think that it was either due to flooding or it was due to just like over like crowding at the funeral home, which to me is like yeah. such an insane concept because if I was living, if I was just visiting a family member and they died and then I had to be in the house with their dead body, like I would not be able to do that like I would not be able to do that
0: yeah you know he talks about it and he says it was like a weird uncomfortable experience but also that he found it very cathartic and like beautiful even because he, he talked about like he, he's like you know like you're you're a, a kid who grows up watching movies so of course you know you have to go downstairs at night and talk to the dead body because that's you know that's what, what like happens and, but he's like yeah when you actually do it though yeah. It's like it has an effect on you.
1: See, now what I, I mean, I'm sure he also said that, but what I gathered from when I was reading about him talking about living in the same house as his dead dad's body was how unnerving it was because yeah. people started coming to visit his dad's body to pay their respects and talking to the body or talking to um, Aunt Timson about the story like stories they had of his dad and it was all this stuff that he had never heard of before. So it's like, he's like, I feel like I'm getting to know someone else. And it's like kind of unnerving. Cause you're like, it's like they have a, a past or a life that I don't know about.
0: Yeah. And it kind of, uh, it seemed like it got his mind running thinking like, you know, like what other like crazy stories could there be in this person's life that exactly. I don't know about. So this event this cathartic strange creepy event it started to make timpson reflecting about what he used to do when he was a kid which was make movies and then he kind of he fell into producing movies but he used to make movies and he used to watch movies with his dad he used to watch old british thrillers so he decided that he wanted to make a movie that would be a tribute to his dad something that his dad would have liked to see like a gritty thriller, but also with a bit of humor. Yeah, some like dark British humor. Yeah. So,
1: and I think he did. I think he did that.
0: <laughs> yes, I so think he accomplished uh, it's, it. It's as far as the humor goes. Like it's M- Michael Smiley as uh, w- one of the characters in this movie. Just really not. Well, we'll, we'll get into him later, I guess. Okay, so he, Elijah he Wood
1: it. wanders through. His name is actually Norval, wanders through the yeah. forest, gets to his dad's house. And that's basically where the tension starts to build.
0: Wait a second. Can we talk about Norval and what he looks like?
1: Okay. So Norval looks like a man child <laughs> and acts like one. So Elijah Wood has a very iconic hair haircut, which is funny because the director reportedly said that after the haircut... In the movie, he suddenly started noticing people around him that actually had that haircut. And when they decided on it for the film, they thought this was such a quirky, weird, hipster haircut that no one would have. And he's like, people everywhere have this
0: haircut. Oh, because I heard that, like, they went around LA or whatever taking shots of people. Oh, really? Trying to get, like, the LA hipster musician kind of.
1: I thought they just made him look like as dumb as possible. And just, like, set him on the set.
0: They were going for, like, pretentious millennial. I mean, they nail it. Oh, yeah.
1: So, okay, so description. So, Elijah Wood's character in this movie has a bowl cut that's probably about three inches too high. <laughs> right? It's very, yeah. it's thin. It's, like, his head is almost shaved, and it's shaved into a bowl cut high up on his scalp. Uh, he also has a very thin, gross mustache.
0: Very thin. Too thin, too gross.
1: And he exclusively wears... What basically looks like a tarp wrapped around his body. Like all his clothes <laughs> are loose. His crotch
0: in all of his pants is at his knees. Yeah, It's baggy designer avant-garde clothing.
1: Yeah. It's like, it's almost like you're walking around. You're still wrapped in your bed sheets. Like you look hilarious. Oh, and a man purse. Yes. And I believe only one hand with painted nails.
0: Oh, I, I missed that. Yeah. Interesting choice. Norval
1: painted black.
0: But yeah, versus juxtaposed with Norval's dad, David.
1: Who, when Norval arrives to the house, opens the door and is immediately um, basically a perfect embodiment of the guy at the bar who's super drunk that you just really hoping doesn't talk to you. Like, that's what he looks like. Like, he's this grizzled, old, like thin, but strong looking angry man.
0: Kind of like Billy Bob Thornton, but older. Yes, exactly. And drunker.
1: Yeah, and like kind of got a little bit of like a Clint Eastwood vibe too. Like he's just, he's got like a, a dangerous sort of presence. Uh, you're being generous.
0: Them. I was going to say Jim <laughs> Leahy, but you're oh, right. Yes. It's, it's not quite, it's more threatening than a Jim Leahy. It I is suppose. a little bit
1: more threatening than the town drunk. But all that to say, he does not seem very friendly to Norval no, when so they meet.
0: It's very strange because Norval gets this letter from his dad and then he shows up to the cabin and his dad, David, doesn't doesn't let him in right away. He seems hesitant uh, hesitant to let him in. and then all Almost of a sudden, like he doesn't
1: remember him or yeah. wasn't expecting him.
0: But then all of a sudden, you know, he embraces Norval, embraces his son, and asks him to come in. Mm-hmm. So just in, in case we haven't made it clear, Norval hasn't seen his father since he was five, five years old. Five years old.
1: So he's 33 in the movie. So it's been almost 30 years he hasn't yeah. seen his dad. So... Norval comes in to the house. Yeah. And then we have a series of shots. And I mean, it's not necessarily worthwhile to get into all of them, but.
0: I, I think the most important thing is that the two have dinner together, and uh, David offers Norval something to drink, offers him some wine. And Norval refuses, saying he used to be alcohol dependent and that he had tried to kill himself by slashing his wrists in a bathtub, I believe.
1: Yeah, so essentially they go through the, I believe, evening and remainder of the following day trying to, Norval's sort of desperately trying to bond with his father, and his father's kind of an immovable wall. He doesn't want to talk to him about why he sent the letter. He doesn't want to listen to him talk about his life. He doesn't want to do any of that stuff, and Norval is sort of just gets more and more exasperated with the situation.
0: Oh, we have to talk about when he tries to impress his dad.
1: Yes. So he does this is I think that's after dinner. So they go through a few sequences of trying to connect and Nor- Norval's trying to connect and his father refuses to do so and you you start to really kind of feel bad for Norval and you feel like, you know, you should just leave this is not working out for you and there's no point in this and um And
0: it's strange because his but he father's keeps trying. his father's being like He's kind of still being nice, almost kind of like goofy, but still threatening. Kind of like a drunk who, one second can be nice, but then just have a switch flip and so kind of like a drunk being aggressive. Yeah, just yeah. like
1: a regular drunk. Um, yeah, his dad always, no matter how much he's smiling, he always still seems to have kind of like a threatening demeanor.
0: Yeah, like he's grinning at you because he's He's got you... He's showing you his
1: teeth. He's not smiling, basically, right? Like, And there's a lot of... uh, And this basically just lends to a lot of tension being built up. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, fucking poor Norval. You sort of begin to love and hate him because you see how much he's trying, but you also see how much of a complete piece of shit he is.
0: Yeah, so Norval tries to you know, impresses a strange father, which you can kind of empathize with. Like he wants of to course. wants to show his dad that, like, you know, he's made something of himself. Yeah. So he starts bragging about his high level music industry connections that he supposedly has.
1: Yeah, he says he's like close with Kendrick Lamar and Chance the Rapper. But he says it
0: in the most like pretentious, strange way possible. Yeah, it's he's like,
1: like, he's like, he's like anyone I've ever heard of, and he's like, well, I'd count Chance the Rapper and Kendrick Lamar among my close personal friends. It's just
0: like, what? and his dad's just like
1: anyone I've ever heard of, and he like <laughs> totally shuts him down. So,
0: well, Elton John.
1: Yeah. So then Norville makes up this elaborate lie about knowing Elton John and how Elton John like personally came up to him in a nightclub. And it seems to be kind of lost on Norville how like completely ludicrous that sounds. And his dad picks up on it immediately and doubles down and tells Norville that he used to be a limo driver for Elton John and that it's crazy that the two of them both know Elton John. <laughs> so he offers to call Elton John and Norville freaks out.
0: Yeah, he starts saying no, no, no. He doesn't. Uh, he doesn't. Re- Reginald, Reginald. His doesn't real name like is being Reginald. At night. Yeah. But his dad keeps on insisting, no, 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 you know, let's let's call him up.
1: It'll be a crazy story. And, this and his dad's, like, belligerently drunk.
0: Oh, the scene is just so tense. I remember, uh, like, I think you picked up on it right away that they were both lying. But, yes. like, I remember watching it, I'm like, I don't know who's lying anymore. Who, who's <laughs> full of shit? Is he full of shit? Is he full <laughs> of shit? And they both were.
1: They both were. So, finally... His dad doesn't call Elton John, but does tell him that he's not impressed with lies. He's only impressed with fight stories, which, again, weird thing to tell your kid. And it was at this exact moment that I leaned over to either you or Mitch in the movie theater. And I was like, this is how you get your kids to never speak to you again. I was like, in my mind, it was like, if Norville leaves here right now, this encounter is going to what is what's going to make him never come back. Because that type of, like, weird belittlement of your kid when they're, like, just trying to, like, impress you is, like, so cruel.
0: Yeah, you know, like, is I'm just wondering, like, is this before or after he calls his mom the first time where he's like, you know, he's not how I imagined?
1: I'm not sure where this falls in the story, but he does call his, he he calls his mom a few times to, like, try to get some empathy from her. And you, you really get a sense from these phone calls that she's been looking after him. He still lives with his mom and it seems like they have a really close relationship and he's really attached to her and almost mm-hmm. kind of reinforces a little bit that he's a bit of a man child and has been yeah. babied.
0: So just a bit more background. Norval grew up in a Beverly Hills mansion with his single mother. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, after this whole encounter with his father, Norval goes to bed, but he hears him talking on the phone to somebody.
1: Complaining about not wanting to be a babysitter.
0: Yeah. Very odd phone conversation.
1: So, I mean, again, it it just throughout this whole sort of first era or first act of the movie, it's very tense. And you really get the sense that Norval's not welcome. And you kind of get the sense that his dad doesn't want him there, but it doesn't really line up. And you can see Norval trying to put the pieces together. Like, why did you contact me if you didn't want me to be here?
0: Yeah, he starts getting really angry. And he confronts. So his dad just is, keeps drinking and drinking and drinking and, and not basically making any ignoring
1: effort. him. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And Norville gets upset. He's like, "Why did you ask me to be here?" And his father keeps dodging the question.
1: Yeah. So they do a bunch of activities together where Norville tries to get his dad to open up. They go for a swim. They sit on the porch. They hang out in the living room. And none of those things work. And it finally comes to a fever pitch when Norville essentially confronts his dad and says, I'm not going to take no for an answer. You need to tell me why you contacted me or I'm going to leave. Yeah. And um, it's worth mentioning that in one of the earlier encounters, his dad sort of by accident breaks Norville's phone. So you kind of wonder at that point when he says he's going, when Norville says he's going to leave, how he's going to leave. But that's sort of beside the point. He tells his dad, look, you need to tell me why you contacted me or I'm going to leave. And his dad overreacts I would say to this statement
0: and oh I don't think so
1: <laughs> brandishes a meat cleaver reasonable and starts swinging it at Norville and saying what are you gonna do about it and essentially threatening him in Norville and I don't think you can really fault him for this immediately begins frantically apologizing and begging and pleading, with
0: his dad to yeah. not hurt him. I mean, it's his dad, it's family. And also Norval looks like a dude who's never been in, in a fight before.
1: And I don't think anyone's ever been in a fight with a meat cleaver before.
0: I mean, that too. I would pick... Uh, Person's
1: fists over a meat cleaver any day. Yeah.
0: Like, I, what? I would try to use words at first if somebody came at me with a meat cleaver, I think. And then I, think I would smart. use my legs to run. Oh, well, yeah. Then you start, looking, you start looking for exits while you're... Uh, using the words but so th- they struggle basically and david norwell's fa- dad is about to stab him but then has a heart attack and suddenly dies.
1: tenses up and falls on the floor and you're like seriously and you can almost hear the record scratch just go like yeah, and it's like he's just motionless on the ground
0: it's like okay did that really just happen
1: And this is essentially the moment that the movie kind of turns the page and the sort of feeling of the movie, the tone of the movie
0: shifts. So
1: there's a few going through the motions scenes. Norval calls the coroner or calls the police. The police come. He
0: has that very strange interaction with the police officer first.
1: (laughs) The police officer is just a weirdo. I can't imagine what exactly prompts the encounter he has with him. It's... Why that's in the movie? That I have whole no scene, idea. actually,
0: now that I think about it, is very like, it's it's kind of out of place, isn't it? That seems like something that should have been chopped out. So the, the police officer, how how can I describe it? He's got a very Terry Crews kind of vibe going on.
1: He seems like the type of person that would talk about himself in the third person. He's a big muscular black man, and he's got the whole decked out outfit where he's got like the flat brim policeman cap and the full tan suit, and he says something extremely weird to Norville. Uh, Norville almost accusing him of killing his dad. And he says, you wouldn't lie to me, would you?
0: Yeah. Like he's and he
1: makes a lot of eye contact an and, uncomfortable
0: amount of eye contact.
1: And Norville is like, looks kind of like a deer in headlights, which is Elijah Wood's sort of signature look to be fair. Yes. But he looks super uncomfortable and he's like,
0: no, but he's also kind of being like, like the whole scene's kind of like zany in a way. It kind of seems like it should be funny, but you're like, "What is going on?" It was just uncomfortable, yeah, and kind of goofy. But yeah, so the cor the coroner comes and tells him tells Norville that yeah, after his father's body is embalmed, it's going to have to come back to the cabin.
1: She says it, Betsy, I think it is. No, is it Betsy? I forget her name. She says it very matter of factly. She says it in a way that Norville. Gladys. Gladys. Norval reacts normally because she said it normally, but it's obviously fucking crazy because she's like, oh, just so uh, we're going to, we'll bring him to the shop, we'll embalm him, we'll bring him back. And he's like, we'll bring him back. Excuse me? And she's like, she's like, yeah, you know, with all the, I think it's floods in the movie. She's like, with all the floods, you know, we're all over capacity. So he'll have to stay here for the next few days
0: until the funeral. And you're, and it's just like, what the fuck? So yeah, Norval's dad comes back. In a body bag. In a body bag. He places him on the bed and Norval basically waits around the cabin waiting for his mom to show up about, you know, five days later.
1: Yeah, so he calls his mom and she says she's coming in five days. I think he says she's coming on Friday, so it must be a Monday or something. Mm -hmm. Um, And he basically begins his descent into complete and utter madness.
0: Yeah, so he's hanging around the cabin by himself. He starts drinking and at night, he is he hears these
1: crazy sounds at night for the it's a first metal,
0: like a loud metal clanging, echoey, clanging noise. sound.
1: Yes. Yeah. He hears those noises for a little while and they start to drive him crazy and they drive him to drink, which he hasn't done in over a year mm-hmm. is what he tells everyone. So he drinks, he acts a little crazy. He calls Gladys, tries to get her to hook up with him. Weird, weird scene, weird side note. She's not down. Yeah. And then he falls asleep in the same body as the, body is in the same bed as the body bag.
0: Yes, so and talks to it. He freaks out and he starts, you know, accusing his father of haunting him. So he goes down the stairs or sorry, goes into his father's room and looks at the body and yells at it and then falls asleep beside it and then wakes up the next morning with
1: the body staring at him. <laughs> oh. And it's the type of thing that is just like if I got super drunk And there was a corpse in the house and it was my estranged father who I had never hadn't spoken to in 30 years. I probably would go talk to it. And I could totally see how a drunk person would fall asleep in a bed because it's a bed no matter what's in it or on it. Mm -hmm. But it's the type of thing that if I woke up and that is what I had done and I woke up in the same bed as a dead body, I would never drink again. That would be the turning
0: point. Yeah. That's it. That's the end. I could see that. No more drinking. It's like, well... You know what, Fell this, asleep next to a corpse. Everyone has their rock bottom.
1: That is mine. That should be everyone's. <laughs> anyway, so I guess the movie really takes its major turn when Elijah Wood is for the maybe third or fourth time walking out of the bedroom and notices a weird wall panel right in front of the door that kind of looks like it's out of place. Right. So he leans down to inspect this wall panel and notices that it's kind of hollow. So he knocks on it and then he pulls it off And this this old cabin. So it has like weird wood wall paneling everywhere. So he pulls this off and he reaches in and he finds a box of mementos and his face sort of softens. And he looks like he's kind of like excited to have found like a nice memento. Of his childhood.
0: Yeah, like there's a baseball glove in there um, and just, a family photo album.
1: Yeah, like just stuff that he's like, my God, my dad actually kept this stuff. Maybe he did care because he's been accusing his dead dad's dead body of not caring about him. Mm-hmm. And so he's flipping through the photo album and he's like, oh, it's mom. Oh, it's me. And then finally he finds a picture that's of him and his dad. And it's a different guy. It
0: does not look like the guy who's dead on the bed right now. And he takes the
1: picture, holds it up. To his dad's corpse. And it is very obviously not the same dude.
0: Oh, shit.
1: And it's, like, horrifying. Because all of a sudden you realize, like, this is not his dad. Where is his dad?
0: All of a sudden, the metal clanging sound. Well, that just needs to be investigated right away.
1: All of a sudden. so since his dad has passed away, he's been... Norval's been trying to ignore this sound. Thinking that it's a haunting. Yeah. All of a sudden it becomes... Uh, it seems to become more tangible and more real. And he starts trying to find the noise. Well, I
0: think he starts hearing it only at night, but then he starts hearing it during the day as well.
1: So he goes into the living room and he's where it seems to be the loudest. And he stomps on the floor three times and the floor stomps back three times. So he pulls up the rug and finds a fucking creepy ass submarine style door leading to the basement.
0: When there is a wheel on it, Whatever. It's, it's a hatch. It's
1: a submarine door. <laughs> it goes underwater for sure.
0: Yeah, so he climbs down into this dark, dingy, dirty bunker looking room. Yeah. And there is a man beaten and bloodied chained to the ceiling.
1: And that man looks at Norville and immediately says, Oh, Norval, my boy, you came. Oh, shit. And immediately Norval's like, what the fuck? And it's worthwhile to explain what his dad, his actual dad, looks like. So he is missing an ear. Mm -hmm. He has a engorged eye. He's clearly been beaten across the face. He's
0: bloody all over. Bloody
1: everywhere. His hand, one hand is chained up in uh, handcuffs and chains, I believe. Yes. And his shirt is undone, and there are words carved into his chest. So he's pretty, he's a cyphersauri, eyes, one would say.
0: And his dad, his real dad, immediately tells him that there is somebody coming to kill him, and that he needs to hide and kill this person yeah. when they enter uh, the the dungeon.
1: Yeah, and Elijah would... Uh, earlier in the movie, thinks that he sees someone through the the trees, and you kind of assume, like, Elijah was just crazy at this point. Like, Norval's just crazy.
0: Yeah, but clearly it was somebody scoping out the house.
1: Yep. So, all of a sudden, somebody comes down the hatch, Yes. and it's this very villainous-looking man.
0: Yes, Jethro. Jethro. With long hair, like a handlebar mustache. He kind of looks like a 70s rocker, but... Oh. Yeah,
1: he kind of looks like uh, the guy Tortuga from Breaking Bad. What's his name? What's that actor's name?
0: Tortuga.
1: Tortuga. He gets his head cut off and put on the turtle. Anyways. <laughs> Anyways, doesn't matter. Um, he looks like a bad He looks like every bad guy ever, basically. Every Cuban bad guy. That's what he looks like. Um, yeah, but, but he's British. Is he actually British? Or, the actor?
0: Well, the actor's uh, from Northern Ireland. It's played by Michael Smiley. He was in uh, Spaced oh, TV show. Oh, he looks...
1: Very dark. Well, anyways, doesn't I think matter.
0: he was just dirty. Maybe that's very possible.
1: <laughs> Anyhow. So Jethro comes down, threatens his dad, a bunch of menacing ways. One of which includes a, you know, pens.
0: He stabs so, him with a shit smeared pen.
1: Yeah. A shit smeared pen. So, you know, just some stuff that's just grotesque for the purpose of being grotesque. Uh, Norville, jumps out of this closet or I believe is found within the closet yeah, and he's found tries to fight Jethro and fails miserably. Jethro just kind of pushes him over with one arm and then leaves, closes the hatch. Not sure why he doesn't lock the hatch. Maybe hatches can't be locked. Maybe I don't be, know. Yeah. All I know is that Jethro, for whatever reason, doesn't kill Norval right there, which he definitely could do, but leaves.
0: Yeah. And he he leaves says, to will get back. some more muscle.
1: Yeah, he says, I'll be back. And then Norval's dad, and poor Norval, he let down his fake dad, and now he's letting down his real dad. Uh,
0: His real dad
1: looks at him and says, you were supposed to kill him. As if that's something (laughs) that his real dad has the audacity to ask for. And he just
0: says it in a way that's like, I asked you to take out the trash. Yeah,
1: it's so casual. His dad's so casual.
0: And the reason why it's so casual is because, well... Norville's dad, David, and his buddies were robbers. Kidnappers. Well, I believe he said they were like bank robbers in general. Oh, but then, I see. then as part as as part of one last big score before they retired, they kidnapped the daughter of the richest man in Thailand. In Thailand. But David kept all the ransom money yeah, for so, himself.
1: So essentially He reveals to Norville that the reason he's always been able to live in L.A., in Beverly Hills, in a mansion with his mother, who doesn't work, which for whatever reason is not revealed before now, because it would have been suspicious, is that he has been sending the money for his entire life. So he took all of the money from this score.
0: It's gone. He spent it all. Yeah,
1: he took it all, sent it to Norville's mom. And lived off the grid, essentially.
0: Yeah, and now Jethro and uh, his old partners have found him and are torturing him, trying to get the location location of of the the money.
1: money. So Norville kind of has a very short amount of time to take this in, maybe about three seconds, and then his dad starts prompting him to get him out of the chains.
0: Yeah, he's basically like, chop, chop, we got to get out of here or we're going to die.
1: So he instructs Norville in a series of grotesque... Axe to try to free him From the chains which then It turns out that the chain is just Hooked on a link about a foot Away in the ceiling
0: Yeah so So, he tells Norval he's like listen You're gonna have to dislocate my thumb so I can Slip out of the cuff yeah doesn't work He's like okay
1: next one finger Index finger finger.
0: and then I think Maybe maybe even a third Finger Mm -hmm. or he's going for the third finger Mm -hmm. And then and then Norval Just follows the chain And it's like oh
1: it's hooked into the ceiling with a very shitty hook.
0: Very shitty hook. Yeah, it probably could have could jangled it a little bit. Anyhow, they make their way they out. They make
1: eye contact, and Norval loosens the chain, and they don't say a word. And it's very funny.
0: Yeah, that that is one of the first of many comedic highlights.
1: And poor Norval's face, like... I just, it really threw me back to Frodo when he's looking at the members of the fellowship when they abandon him or disappoint him. You know, he's looking at Aragorn and he's like, I gotta go.
0: Big, wide puppy eyes.
1: Just like, so sad. So sad. Sam. They, yeah. Oh, Sam. And they leave the hatch together. They get out of the house. Behind some rocks.
0: No, no, no! They do not get out of the oh, house right away. Yes, there
1: away. is a there is a scene in between the house. Yes,
0: so they're they need to leave quick, but Norval needs to use the washroom, so he goes into the which washroom. Which
1: he asks his dad if he can do. He does
0: ask him permission,
1: which is weird.
0: Well, I mean, he's out of his element. He's immediately surrendered all control. Control to his dad, who's just like, okay, well, he's the international kidnapper, so I best I guess I better let him call the shots. Yeah. But he goes into the washroom, and there is um. A goon taking there is, a dump Yeah,
1: there is a random man on the toilet with headphones on, and mm-hmm. you can only imagine that he has been there the entire time oh. since Jethro got there. Yes. And Elijah Wood sort of immediately kicks into gear and realizes that he needs to defend himself because this guy's attacking him. So he proceeds to brutally murder this man. And I say brutally in the sense that Elijah Wood gets brutally beaten while trying to kill this
0: guy. Yeah, he's, he's getting his ass kicked pretty bad until he gets a, um, it's like a steak.
1: He gets a steak knife, and yeah. he jams the guy in the genitals multiple times. Many,
0: many times.
1: And gets blood everywhere, and then as the man is clutching his loins for, uh, you know, whatever reason, whatever was down there is now gone, mm. um, Elijah Wood wraps his head in saran wrap and beats him over the head with the saran wrap roll.
0: Pretty brutal for a first murder.
1: Yeah. It's very intense. Pretty and brutal
0: for a 10th murder. Yeah.
1: It's intense. There's a lot of blood. Elijah Wood or Norville looks um, completely horrified with what he's done. he's done. And his dad is just kind of sitting there like.
0: It's like, Oh good. You You're right? alive. You're all right. Yeah. Just once again, very like.
1: Very casual.
0: Very casual.
1: So they leave the house. Jethro comes back before they could fully escape, goes into the house, finds the corpse and finds a luggage tag of Norville's which says where he lives.
0: Yes, it's uh, the address of his mother's mansion in Beverly Hills. Yeah. He has um a uh, crossbow with a flaming arrow. Yeah, right Jethro now.
1: for whatever reason has a crossbow. He, I don't I don't really know
0: the reason for that. He he's a quirky guy. Yeah, he's got a weird crossbow. He's he's seen some movies. Yeah,
1: and Elijah Wood is coaxed by his dad, his real dad, to get in the trunk of Jethro's car and ride in the car until Jethro gets somewhere where he's alone, and then Elijah Wood or Norville can jump out and murder him, because that went super well the first time.
0: Yeah, because otherwise Jethro's going to go to Beverly Hills and, you know, torture or kill
1: his mother. So uh, Norville gets in the trunk, rides in the trunk... To a motel.
0: Yes, and you see Jethro enter a motel room followed by what appears to be a sex
1: worker. Norville tries to convince her to leave the door open for him and she's just a force to be reckoned with and tells him to fuck off and kind of pushes him. And he's a little bit of a pansy, so he just gets pushed over.
0: So instead, he tries... Okay, first of all, he goes into the main... Lobby, uh, of the the motel. lobby of the motel. And he tries to get a room but can't get one because there is a swingers convention in town.
1: Which the hotel clerk then says is actually a series of geologists.
0: Well, he he says they're like geologists, like they're they're covering, like they claim to be geologists. Yeah. But he he knows what's up. But so he distracts the motel owner or the motel employee and grabs uh what do you call it? It's like it's a, a receipt holder. A receipt, like, spike, though, for putting on yeah. old receipts. He takes that. He stabs the tires of Jethro's car. The
1: only smart move that Norville makes in this entire movie.
0: Real sharp move. And then he finds an unlocked motel uh, room. No, that he is... steals all the keys. Oh, he steals the keys, right.
1: Steals all the keys and starts randomly... Putting keys in locks until he finds a room that is connected to the room that Jethro is in.
0: Yes. You know how, like, motels or hotels have, like, the, you know, the door, like, connecting them, right? Yeah. So he goes into this room. There's a bunch of naked dudes sleeping on the There's two bed.
1: naked men and one naked woman sleeping right. on the same bed.
0: Yeah, there's a bit of, uh, you know, there's... There's like, a lot of nudity. A lot of dick shots.
1: A lot of full frontal male nudity that yeah. doesn't seem to do anything.
0: Just schlongs hanging out.
1: Yeah. So Norville kind of, uh, I would say, like, wacky tunes kind of shirks across the room.
0: Yeah, like that's a good. Like, definitely Looney Tunes style, like.
1: Exaggerated movements, very funny, very awkward. And, of course, right when he gets to the end, opens the door and wakes up everybody. Yeah, Opens the door. On the other side of it is Jethro yeah. and the prostitute who is currently strangling yeah, him.
0: The, the naked people are yelling at him. Jethro is yelling at him, and then I believe the woman, like, subdues him. So, Precious. Precious, right. That is her name.
1: The woman's name is Precious. She gets up and puts Elijah Wood in what appears to be the easiest headlock that has ever been put on anyone.
0: He does not resist. I mean, he's he's a gentle boy.
1: He is a gentle soul. And she puts him in a headlock and is obviously going to hold him while Jethro beats him. The naked people in the room don't seem to know what to make of this.
0: Well, they're kind of just frozen with, like, fear. They're like, what the fuck is going on? They were freaking
1: out and angry when he was in their room, and now they're just uncomfortable.
0: Well, yeah, because this, like, little, like, guy is getting his—the shit kicked out of him.
1: Yeah, so Jethro takes the little receipt holder, stabs Norval several times in the stomach, and then stabs him through the face.
0: Yeah, so it goes through his cheek— and then comes out his no, it goes through one cheek and then comes out the corner of his mouth.
1: Oh yeah, you're right. It yeah. does only go through one cheek. And then Precious Jethro says, has bad aim.
0: Yeah, well, he's he doesn't seem like the most together guy. True. So Norval kind of just slumps down onto the ground, and Precious is like, "I think you killed him." And yep. Jethro is basically like, well, "Oh whatever. well, bye." Grabs his shit, gets in his car, drives leaves. away. Norval wakes up.
1: Norval seems to stir. Yes, he's definitely injured. He doesn't even stop to take the spike out of his face.
0: No, he seems like relatively just at peace with it.
1: He's in shock. (laughs) He's
0: Definitely in shock. That's that's a better way of putting it. He
1: starts going after Jethro on foot, which would not have been successful if Jethro hadn't uh, overshot his now completely devoid of air tires and crashed immediately.
0: Yeah, he crashes into a sign outside, uh, just a short distance outside of the motel. The sign crashes into the car through Mm -hmm. the windshield. Norville looks into the car and Jethro's not there. He's not there.
1: The camera pans down the street and Jethro is walking away. When Norville finally catches up to him, you notice that Jethro was missing a very good chunk of his head.
0: Jethro says some interesting things.
1: Yeah, he says some interesting (laughs) things, including saying that his mom used to kind of look like a man.
0: Yeah, he's like, listen, there's something... He says something like, I need to tell you something about your mother. And you're like, oh, wow, is this going to be some, like...
1: I am your real father,
0: right? I was was like, oh, shit, is this the last twist? And he's just like, no, it's like, it was something like, I, like... I knew her, but I didn't masturbate to her because she looked like a man. <laughs>
1: he says that his mom used to be a prostitute and that he at some point had sex with her but couldn't finish right, because she looked it. too much like a man. <laughs> and it's completely irrelevant to the story and Norville doesn't really seem to know what to make of that information.
0: So Did we mention he has half his head missing? Yes, okay. I did mention that. Okay, so okay.
1: Norville says nothing and instead pulls the spike from his face and very gently sticks it into Jethro's brain.
0: Yes, his exposed brain.
1: Jethro drops like a sack of potatoes, clearly lobotomized, and Norville somehow walks home.
0: Mhm.
1: This beyond anything else in the movie is the least believable part because Norville is a pansy and there's no way he could walk what is obviously a short car ride distance. To his dad's house. Yeah, I mean... Especially because he stops and takes a nap halfway there.
0: That's true. He does nap in the woods. Mm. And we hear the, the contents of the his father's let, letter to him read aloud. Yeah, it, it's not super well explained. I kind of get they were trying to wrap the movie up like really quickly at this point.
1: Yeah. Norville somehow, with his face and multiple stomach wounds, makes it back to his dad. And his dad seems to be just kind of hanging on to life. And if you're following the movie, this is actually the day his mom is supposed—Norval's mom—is supposed to yes, show up. Yes, that's right. Based on how often the day turns to night.
0: So um, it, it's morning at this point. He's walked through the night with like a quick nap. Yeah. And they're—they're they're both him and his dad, his real dad, David. They're lying on, on the, the beach, beach, both kind of barely alive, and just sort of—they—they they kind of finally Connect. share like one nice. Moment together. Yeah,
1: they they finally connect. Norville asks why his dad sent him the letter, and his dad doesn't answer him, but reaches over to hold his hand. Mm -hmm. And you can kind of assume that that's sort of the everything's going to be okay moment. Yeah, and that's the end of the movie. So, with the plot over, let's let's talk a little bit about the reception. So. It was just released, so there's not a lot to say about the reception
0: yet. Yeah, February 2020, very fresh.
1: So, and I couldn't actually find how much it cost to make, but it was an independent movie, so it didn't cost a lot. No. Um, in its opening weekend, it did make about $60,000. Okay. So, depending on how much it cost to make, it's probably pretty good return.
0: Yeah, like, this isn't the kind of thing that's going to be played at, like, a multiplex. You know, no. you're not seeing this in Cineplex or whatever.
1: Um, Overall reading reviews, what people really liked about the movie was the tonal shift about halfway through. People liked that. Um, okay. It's accomplished in multiple ways, both with, you know, uh, camera angles, lighting choices, music choices. Like, the movie really does change pace about halfway through. Um, what people didn't like was that they found the movie was too slow and even the exciting parts were handled very, like, uh, casually. Like, it doesn't really seem like the, there's tension that builds, but there's no action in this movie.
0: Yeah, that is one thing I noticed. There's no, like, there's, there's no, no energy. Big moments. Like, no. there, there's the, the moments of energy are just these, these, feverish, these, like,
1: very quick.
0: Well, it's just these violent scenes, like, punctuated by just very grotesque yeah. moments.
1: There's just not a lot of energy in the movie, which is definitely true. All of the characters seem to be... Uh, Norval, especially, it's walking on eggshells. Like, it doesn't really seem like there's a lot of intensity. And when there is intensity, no. it culminates really quickly and dissipates really quickly. So uh, people found it boring, those... Spaces in between.
0: I mean, that's kind of fair, especially like the first part until his father dies. Like there's some tension. And then actually, even after that, like there is such a lull, right? Until he finds his real dad in the basement. And then like that is the moment where things are supposed to shift and really ramp up.
1: And they do ramp up comparatively, but they're still pretty slow.
0: Yeah. I don't know what it is. It's just... I, I guess it's the pacing. Like, you can just say the, the pacing was yeah. off in general if you want to, like, sum it up.
1: So, what, there's no... this. Obviously, this has won no awards yet. Uh, Yeah,
0: Yeah. I mean, um, it was on, like, the film festival circuit for a while, though. Did you have anything about how well it was received there? I mean, it received well enough to be, like, bought up for a distribution. Up, but I don't think
1: it won any awards or anything like that. And I don't know... Um, I don't know that it will. I don't know that that's the goal. I mean, it's it's an independent movie. they make. There's a lot of them made a year. I don't know if every one of them's goal is to be, you know.
0: No, I mean, uh, keep in mind like, like where this came from. Like, this is a dude who is just inspired by the death of his father to do something. Like, he made this for his dad. It's a tribute. Like, he, he doesn't give a shit. He's a film producer. That's yeah. what he does. But he wanted to do something for his dad as a tribute.
1: So what about the drink?
0: Oh, yeah, the drink. So our pairing this week, um, we wanted to do something that incorporated wine because, well, that's what um, Norville.
1: That's what they're drinking a lot of the movie. And that's what Norville reveals is his drink, sort of his drink of choice when he tried to take his own life.
0: So we decided to go for a red wine cocktail.
1: But neither of us like red wine.
0: Oh, I like red wine.
1: Oh, okay, Just me then.
0: Oh, you're a white, white whiner or a rosé? I mean, I'm
1: not much of a whiner to begin yeah. with, but... Well,
0: oh. uh, <laughs> so we went with uh, a New York sour. We went with a specific recipe uh, from bon appetit. bon appetit.
1: Bon Appetit.
0: Bon Appetit. Bon Appetit. So this is uh, their res- recipe and the one we followed. You combine two ounces of bourbon whiskey, one ounce of fresh lemon juice, one ounce simple syrup in a cocktail shaker, Fill it with ice, cover, shake until the outside of the shaker is frosty Rusty. for about like 30 seconds or so. You strain Make that. Make sure you
1: smile while you shake it.
0: Yes. As Smiling is, is mandatory. So you strain that into a glass filled with ice, and then you gently pour. They say you, they say you use half an ounce of fruity red wine. We, we used, used, one, we used ounce. one ounce. So you pour that over the back of a spoon held just above the drink. Mm-hmm. so that it floats on top and you get this really nice layering effect.
1: Kind of a tequila sunrise look. It's nice.
0: Yeah, except, well, well, reverse, because like the, the red will like f- sink to the bottom of a tequila sunrise, but this will stay nice and on top. Shut so, up. <laughs> <laughs> you're right, except for the part where you're wrong. Ah. So they suggested using a fruity red wine. Um, they specifically suggested a Shiraz or a Malbec, But I ended up using a Pinot Noir. Seemed
1: to work out fine.
0: It seemed to work out fine. It's still like a fruity wine, I believe.
1: Yeah, it's good. It's It's a nice little drink.
0: I think doing this drink with like an egg white would make
1: yeah, and making it more
0: like a well, you can do a whiskey sour with it with an frothy
1: bit a bit. Yeah. I don't know how that would mix with the wine, though. I don't know if that would oh, be good.
0: yeah, it would kind of destroy the layering effect.
1: I just also don't know how good wine would be with that egg white taste either.
0: Yeah, you think? Oh, no, I, I, find, we'll I find the egg white to be, like, fairly transparent. Yeah. The lemon in this one, like, it's quite a bit of lemon juice. I think one ounce of lemon juice is a bit much. It's a lot of lemon. If I were to do it again, I would...
1: Ease up on the lemon juice?
0: I'd do like half an ounce lemon juice, one ounce simple syrup, and yeah, like one ounce. Yeah. So I guess my recommended recipe would be two ounces of bourbon, half an ounce of lemon juice, one ounce of simple syrup, and then a full ounce of red wine. Mm. But yeah, overall, great drink. It's a sour. It's a good one to have in the summer in like super hot weather.
1: Yep. It's tasty. Yeah. So, since this movie just came out and because it's relatively uh it's not that big of a deal, I suppose. Um I really wasn't able to find any quirky facts or theories that we haven't already talked about.
0: Yeah, there's I, I mean, the genesis of the movie to me is like perhaps the most interesting story, the yeah. one about Aunt Timpson.
1: His dad, yeah. And his
0: dad. I I thought it was kind of it was kind of funny. There's one story where like Basically, the way Elijah Wood got into it is, well, he knows Aunt Timpson from, like, the genre film circuit scene, you know, like, the independent horror scene and whatnot. And obviously through, like, you know, they worked together on the Greasy Strangler. Yeah. And Elijah Wood was very, he wanted to work with Timpson. So he gets sent a script um, for Come to Daddy along with a bunch of, like, like, a picture or a sketch. No, okay. It was a picture of Skrillex. Oh my God. And they were like, this is what your character is going to look like.
1: (laughs) Oh my God. And Elijah Wood's like, this is all I actually want to
0: look like. He he was just like, yeah, okay. Secretly. And he's like, I felt like they were trying to like challenge me. It kept being like, yeah, here's the wig you're going to wear and stuff. Yeah. And he's just kind of like, okay.
1: Yeah. I mean, he kind of strikes me as the type of actor that's up for anything. Right. So.
0: Yeah. He's very much about like, the art the artistry i was going to say the craft but it's not even the craft like he just likes making interesting weird art. movies it's not even like somebody asked him like is there a role you've ever like always wanted to play and he's like no it's not about the roles it's about like the story and the whole the whole package yeah yeah interesting dude obviously like we we've covered well, I guess we haven't covered a lot of Spectre Vision movies but Just Mandy. Just Mandy, but we do I think intend to cover
1: a couple, yeah. A couple. Yeah, I mean overall it it does really seem to fit quite well into that little niche of weird kind of eclectic horror. Um, this movie honestly really feels like a waking nightmare. That's what it feels like. Um,
0: yeah. and that was really the
1: only theory that I had about it was maybe it is a waking
0: nightmare. Like maybe Norval died in the bathtub. When he slashed his rest. Either
1: died in the bathtub or, like, you know, had a fever dream while he was drunk in bed or that his dad's corpse wasn't who he thought it was. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, it really kind of seems, like I said, it, it really seems like a spitball session
0: where it's just like,
1: but what if?
0: But what you know? If, man? And. Yeah. So, it, uh, apparently, the way the script was made was Aunt Timpson just came out with, like, the concept. He had, like, an outline. Yeah. And then he gave it to his writer friend, um... I think it was Toby, Toby Harvard, Harvard who yeah. wrote The Greasy, the Greasy Strangler,
1: Strangler and said, make of this what you will.
0: And then he came back with a first draft and he was like, cool. All right.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it's got, it's definitely got some like very spitball style um, scenes and writing and it seems to kind of flow that way where it's just like, and then this, and then this, and then this, like um, not necessarily put together haphazardly, but it just kind of has that sort of feeling.
0: So I think that can be partially explained by there is a difference between the shooting script, the the script that they were supposed to use to make the movie, and Mm -hmm. then what finally ended up in the movie. Mm -hmm. For example, that whole Elton John scene. Yeah. That was... That wasn't supposed to be such a long scene, but they got to the cabin and they started shooting and they're just like, oh shit, like we got to keep going with this.
1: Really? Yeah.
0: And uh, they... Elijah Wood and Aunt Timpson, uh, one one of them mentioned that actually the character of Norval got, like, scaled back in the okay. shooting script. So I don't quite understand what he means. Perhaps he means just less dialogue, less Maybe. camera time. But then, you know, they kind of gave him more room to be this kind of lovable douche. Yeah. Lovable, wimpy douche man.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do I curate musical scenes with people from the art industry? Do I yes, tickle I the ivories? Yes, I do. Yeah, like yeah, that. He's, he's that, got some pretension. Like stuff sure.
0: like that? Like that's not in the shooting script. They just fucking came. That's just like off the dome. Yeah,
1: it's gross. <laughs> um. Okay, well, why don't we do the ratings? Okay. So, so scares.
0: We're going to give it a three.
1: Largely? It's tension in this movie. Like yeah. a lot of other horror movies that we've reviewed, it's tension. Not necessarily jump scares, but it's very tense, this movie.
0: I do have to admit, when he woke up with the, the corpse. corpse looking at him, I was, like, I was like, oh. Oh, no.
1: And when he finds out shortly thereafter that the corpse is not who he thinks it is,
0: also horrifying. That is, that is such a great moment. Yeah. Yeah. Awful. Really enjoyed that.
1: Um, blood Drops. We're going to do a 4.
0: Yeah, so there are not a lot of instances of violence, but like we mentioned previously, the instances that do occur do a cork. The instances that do occur are quite visceral.
1: Yeah, they're very very overdone. Like there's a lot of blood, it's a lot of violence. Um, and it's, it's almost kind of creative violence as well. Like it's situational, which kind of makes it more believable, which makes it more uncomfortable. So
0: it, it also makes it, I don't know, you could kind of argue there's a bit of an art to it because they try to be creative with it. It, Maybe, it, it is violence for violence sake, but it's not.
1: It's plot. It does drive the plot, but I think it's more just that like, it's not like you, it's not like they pan away. They focus no. directly on the violence then. It's it's in your face. It's a lot of it.
0: So violence makes you a little queasy then. Well,
1: yeah, it's it's a cheeky horror, but it's there's nothing cheeky about the violence.
0: No, it does not shy away from that. So stars for overall.
1: I think we're going to give it a three. Yeah, because we liked it, but it's not revolutionary in any way.
0: No, it is a great thriller Uh, With lots of tension and like this nice, well, maybe not nice, but like this quirky edge to it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's quirky and fun Mm -hmm. Um, and it has good horror and good comedy elements, but it does kind of lose its way a bit and it is kind of does kind of meander on a little bit.
0: Yeah, the pacing is poor. The big moments in the movie that should really build excitement don't quite do it. Yeah. But you have another great performance from Elijah Wood. We we didn't get too much into the the comedy that is supplied uh, by Jethro but yeah. uh, M- Michael Smiley's portrayal as Jethro is, to me, one of the highlights of this movie. I, I really loved it. Because yeah. he-, he does, like, these just, like, quirky things. Like, I believe there's a lot of improv for his character, too, because mm. Michael Smiley was, uh, he was a comedian. Right. He was a stand-up comedian, right? Okay. I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. But,
1: yeah. Overall, good movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's it? Yeah,
0: that's it. So... You can find us online at DrunkDuckCinemaClub.com.
1: On Facebook at DrunkDuckCinemaClub and on Instagram at the same name.
0: And Spotify and a whole bunch of other podcast streaming libraries. Yep. Come to quacky.
1: <laughs> oh my God. That was not worth the wait. <laughs> uh, it
0: is what it is. <laughs>